Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist thriller writers in conversation about women who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Kristen Lepianca, and I'm here with Lane Fargo. Hello. It's finally, like, getting to be fall. It's getting to be October. It's very exciting, because this is, like, this is our moment. This This is is our time. This is when we come into our full powers as spooky bitches. Yes. Very exciting when this time rolls around. Uh, Do you have any fun Halloween plans? I have a single Halloween plan, uh, and it's actually like a couple weeks before Halloween. There is this thing at the Botanic Gardens here that's called, I think it's called Night of a Thousand Jack-O-Lanterns. Ooh. So I don't know if there are actually a thousand. I probably will not count, but there are going to be a <laughs> fuck ton of jack-o'-lanterns, and you like walk around after dark at the Botanic Garden and feel spooky. So that I'm fun. Yeah, very, very excited about that, even though I have to go past my bedtime. <laughs> my bedtime's like 9 p.m. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Big night out. Big night out. Yes, absolutely. What about you? Uh, no plans as of yet, but I, I am happy because this is the, the point of the year in which all of my home decor suddenly makes sense again. Because <laughs> like, we have lots of like uh, black cat things because I own a black cat and I adore black cats. They're the best cats, et cetera, et cetera. So we have like you know, Halloween tea towels that we use in the kitchen year round because they have cute black hats on them. Uh, And it's like, so for most of the year, we just have like these weirdly anachronistic items. But now it's like we decorated for the season. You're just ready all the time. Yeah, it's great. I love that. That's planning ahead. Yes. And we also, we we have uh, exciting plans to acquire a new uh, cardboard cat scratcher from Target. They have really great seasonal um, designs. And in the past, we've had a haunted motel for the Halloween season. <laughs> I believe this year they have a graveyard. So, Oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I need to go uh, to Target right now. <laughs> yeah. The, the cats have been using their, their summer cat scratchers up until now, which is the, the taco truck and the aquarium. Okay. Uh, but Do you, like, you know. take those ones away so that they can only use the spooky ones? Or do they just have, like, all the cat scratchers? We take them away. They Like, the, because they're made of cardboard, they don't, like, they don't last a tremendous long time. Okay. So after they've been well-loved, they start to just disintegrate. Okay. So by the time a new season comes around, it's time to chuck the old ones out. 
Well, you need to post pictures of those on our various social media accounts for the yes. public because they need to see them. <laughs> yes, the taco truck is especially adorable. Uh, it says in huge letters on the front, Meow Delicioso. And it just every time I see it, it cracks me up. I have my black cat in my podcasting studio with me today, and I might have to kick her out because she is like crawling around me and like trying to dig into the pillow I have behind me. Like, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't want to (laughs) stop. So she might be a special guest star in today's episode. She's pretty quiet, though. Like, she doesn't meow that much. Um, She doesn't scream like your cat. Oh, my God. Yeah, my cat, my my non-black cat is a a real loud mouth lately. So uh, you can probably, you've probably already heard her in this episode, actually. She's been yowling around on the other side of the room. (laughs) Well, it's very appropriate for this episode because today we are going to talk about Scream Queens, specifically the archetype of the final girl. Yay! So are you a big horror movie watcher? I am like only a horror movie watcher during this time which as i said spooky season is like from july 4th onward so it's not just october <laughs> but like right. as the weather starts to change i get a strong desire to go to a pumpkin patch and also watch <laughs> horror movies but the rest of the year i'm like mm, no thank you what about you so i am an extremely easily startled person <laughs> i cannot handle movies with really intense jump scares uh so i can only watch horror movies if they have been sort of certified to me as not full of jump scares Okay. Because, like, obviously I love suspense and thriller and all things creepy and gory, but just not not the jump scares that just freaks my shit right out. So <laughs> I am down for watching a good horror movie at any time, provided that it is not riddled with scary things popping out of nowhere. There should be – maybe there is a website for that where they, like, timestamp all the jump scares for the, <laughs> the people yeah, who are the, we, freaked out by we, them. We actually, like uh, – if you – if for anyone who also feels the same way about jump scares, like if you Google the name of a movie and just jump scare, there's often reviews that will tell you how intense it is. For example, the movie Get Out, amazing horror movie, not jump scare heavy. So like that That's was a true. movie I was able to see in the theater because it had been certified as like, okay, this movie will scare you, but this is not a jump scare type movie. I have a friend who gets really freaked out by horror movies and she'll like only watch them if they're kind of more on the mild and like get out. And then also like I have to watch them first. So like I have to see get out. And then I went again with her and she's Mm -hmm. like leaning over to me the whole time. Like, is this going to happen? Is he going to be okay? What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) So I have to like, (laughs) I'd be like, he's going to be fine. His friend, the TSA agent will be there shortly. (laughs) Calm down. But, you know, whatever, like, we're all anxious messes. So, like, whatever you need to get by, totally fine. Yes. Yes. Um, So the final girl is, like, a specific horror archetype that most people are probably familiar with. But, like, as a basic definition, they're usually in slasher movies. Although I think we're going to talk about some things that aren't, like, specifically slasher movies. But typically it is the girl who is, like, the last one standing at the end of the slasher movie who kills the serial killer or monster or whoever has been doing the slashing for the last (laughs) 90 minutes um Mm -hmm. and she has certain characteristics now like i think as this trope has become better known there are so many movies and books and stuff that kind of like challenge this but like the original final girl she is usually like very resourceful and determined and kind of like a better person than everyone else in the movie like she doesn't have sex she doesn't do do drugs she's like a a good girl more or mm-hmm. less yeah 
but usually not like a really girly girl. Like they often have kind of um, androgynous sounding names. Names. The, the final yeah. girls do. Yeah. And they're kind of more like tomboyish or I don't know. Like it's an, it's an interesting archetype. It's definitely one of those things that like women has sort of reclaimed in this interesting way, but this is very much like a, a, a male thing. Like men did this. <laughs> men right. created this archetype. <laughs> yes. Men created this through like many, many horror movies over the course of movies. And it's just sort of now becoming a thing that's getting like reclaimed a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And they're often like the kind of girl who's like pretty, but doesn't know it. Right. Like she's not <laughs> right. like, fancy. She's not, I, I don't know. Like that kind beautiful, of girl. but she doesn't try. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And she's usually, um, she's like young, obviously, like it's final girl, not final woman. <laughs> and right. she's not physically powerful or like trained in any kind of combat or anything. So she's like very much the underdog that we're rooting for and can maybe like see ourselves in um, where she's like very scared as anyone would be at the beginning of the movie and throughout. And then like by the end kind of finds her strength and is able to challenge the monster. Yes, and there's often something very, like, phallic about the way in which she slays the monster. It's true. Whether it's, like, an an aggressive thrusting stab or beating with a club, like, there's a very very phallic emphasis, sort of. It's not like she shoots him from a distance and walks away. It's not that kind of thing. Yeah, it's got to be, like, up close and personal with lots of thrusting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thrusting is required. And I also... uh, found in like some of my reading about this and just looking over my examples that the final girl is often a brunette and she usually has like a sluttier blonde friend who like gets killed earlier (laughs) and like that happens in so many movies yeah that is really true like (laughs) what's that about men really like what is that about men that is (laughs) fucked that is fucked up like come on wow okay (laughs) yeah yeah um So what are some examples? I had like the OG that I think like we always think of is Laurie from Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis, who now right. is like in a million of these movies. Like there's another one coming out in a few weeks, right? Like, yeah. Halloween like kills. I don't know how many there have been. There have been a lot, but it's like kind of awesome that she's still like, <laughs> I mean, this is like the final woman now. Like she is, she yeah. is like the final crone and I'm, I'm here for that. That's true. She has like survived to become the final crone. Yes. Now I want to watch a movie called that. Yeah. <laughs> the Final Crone. I would watch the Jamie hell out of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, then there's, so Sydney from Scream also. She's an interesting one because she, while she is a brunette and like pretty, but she doesn't know it and like all of that good shit. She has sex in the first movie and lives to tell mm. the tale. Yeah. She has sex with the killer. Like spoilers, I guess, for this like old right. ass movie, but. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Although, if you watch a movie from the 90s starring Skeet Ulrich and you're like, he seems like a fine, upstanding young gentleman, like, <laughs> I can't help you. Like, he's obviously Right, that. right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also, um, what's her face? Julie from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Sure, yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt with her bangs. Jennifer Love Hewitt. <laughs> She's like... <laughs> A nice girl, but with lots of cleavage. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of asking for it in one of these movies. I was thinking in Scream, too. It's like Sydney does have sex, but she has the sluttier blonde friend who dies earlier. Rose McGowan's character. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. The sacrificial blonde. (laughs) Again, what? Why men? Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
now we're going to have to do an episode about the sacrificial blonde. Like, Oh, no. <laughs> there's probably a lot to unpack there, too. There's probably a lot to unpack there. We don't have time for that today. <laughs> no. um, a recent Final Girl movie I really loved was Ready or Not. Have you seen that? Ready or Not. No, I have not. Okay, so it's about this woman played by Samara Weaving, who is blonde. I think she's blonde in this movie. She's, like, blonde in real life. Um, so outlier so she marries into this rich family that is famous for making board games they like own this giant board game company and on her wedding night she's at their like creepy old mansion first mistake and (laughs) they tell her that she has to play a game it's like a family tradition and i think there's some sort of like wheel she has to spin or something where she like chooses the game that they're going to play and they're going to play hide and seek and then it turns out that this creepy rich family is going to hunt and kill her as a sacrifice and she has to like hide in the house and try and get away from them or they'll kill her um but then like if they don't kill her as the sacrifice then something terrible will happen to all of them like they've been preserving the family for generations through these sacrifices so it's some like real Mm. like wild crazy rich people shit it's really i love i love crazy rich people shit like that i'm always here for that yeah and i won't spoil i mean i guess it's a spoiler to say she's the final girl right like that's you kind of expect that in a horror movie but the final image of this movie is like her covered in blood outside the house smoking a cigarette (laughs) (laughs) which is very heathers right like that made me think of heathers yes um it's so much fun. It's just like a completely bonkers, bonkers movie. Because like for most of the movie, she's wearing her wedding dress and like sneakers, I think, and like sneaking around the house with all these weapons. And it's just, yeah, highly recommend Ready or Not. Nice. Um, I think we've talked about Black Christmas on this podcast before briefly, maybe. Maybe. I've never seen it, though. Oh, then maybe we haven't. Um, but basically, there's like three different versions of this movie there was like the third remake of it came out um a couple years ago and it's super fun but i wanted to i don't remember it super well i just wanted to point out that the the final girl is named riley because we have this androgynous name trend happening yeah let's put a pin in that and we're gonna return to that subject later yes (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's like a it's like kind of a fun not super scary, not jump scary um, horror movie about a sorority that's being stalked by like a fraternity evil cult <laughs> involving some like ancient black magic rituals that involve the bust of the founder of this fraternity. It's pretty amazing, actually. That's so. That sounds fun. I, need I don't to really know that. where I was where I was going with that. I just wanted to point out the the Riley name uh, situation, but. It's just, like, it's so funny how once you become kind of aware of, like, the boundaries of this trope, it's, you can just find it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking even that movie, The Witch, which I'm pretty sure we have talked about on the podcast before, starring Anya Taylor-Joy, mm-hmm. that is, like, not a traditional, like, slasher at all, but she is kind of the final girl. She, like, outlasts everybody and then at the end joins this coven of witches in the woods, which is, like, the ultimate happy ending. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Just dancing naked with the devil. Um, Um, My cat. Ridiculous. Scream queen Snapple. (laughs) Yes. She definitely has a lot to say. Yes, we hear you. Um, Also on the topic of, like, not the typical slasher i wanted to talk about dark places by our lord and savior gillian flynn 
mm-hmm. um, which like I would say that Libby Libby is not a typical final girl in the sense that she like kills the monster and outlasts everyone, but she is kind of a um, she's well she's obviously a survivor of of what has happened to her family, and um, there's just kind of this interesting parallel between that book and a lot of like the pop culture stuff surrounding the idea of the final girl, like these conferences of people who who are obsessed with true crime and they're obsessed with these survivors. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Libby is a character that like sort of can profit off of that to make a living almost. Yeah. And it's like, if you're the the survivor, the final girl, however you want to put it, then you are the only person who's around to tell the story. So like you have that authority as the the storyteller basically to say what happened, what went down and Libby is definitely taking advantage of that. Like, she's the only one. And she doesn't even really know what happened to her family, but she's, like, the only one who has any idea. Right. Yeah. So, like, she she was a kid when it happened, and she, you know, she gave her story to the police. She testified. Um, but, like, she's not even really sure what happened. She can't even really remember or say for sure. But because she is that final girl, like, no one else can really question it with any real authority because she's the only one who's left to tell the tale mm-hmm. and speaking of dark places did you ever see the movie starring Charlize Theron and Christina Hendricks wait Christina Hendricks is in that yes she's okay well mom. now I'm gonna watch it it's like <laughs> it's like weirdly as for as good as that book is the movie is not it does not come close which is just like it's always kind of surprising when that happens especially with like amazing stars like Charlize and Christina Uh, it should have been amazing well Charlize is like an amazing actress and she's like a goddess but she's totally opposite of how Libby is described in the book physically and I do think because Libby's described as being like very small right like very yeah Charlize is like an Amazonian goddess and that does make a difference for a character like that like I don't think you always have to match the physicality of the character in the book to the character in the movie but when it's something like that like I think it does kind of inform her character her being like very small of stature and like seeming sort of weak or like not formidable um where Charlize just looks like she could kick anyone's ass especially mine please call me (laughs) (laughs) yes please come and step on lane But in this in the movie, it's interesting. Like they they style Charlize with like this ratty baseball cap for like literally the entire movie. Do they try to make her look frumpy? Really? They try. They try to make her look frumpy by putting a baseball cap on her, and that's like literally it. Oh my god! <laughs> it's really it's really weird. <laughs> no, it's really it's very strange. Um, because like I I fucking love that book. Like it might be my favorite of Gillian Flynn's books, and it's just like. I don't I don't know I don't understand how you can make a movie out of such incredible source material and have it just be like so not great. The story is still there, it's still compelling, but it's just like but why? Well, you know, that is the only one of her books that she has not adapted herself. A man did mm-hmm. that too. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. That's always like when I talk to other authors who are concerned about adapting their own work, like they want to do it, but they're sort of intimidated by it. I'm just like, look at Gillian and, you know, Mm -hmm. Sharp Objects. I know she wrote that with a staff of of writers, like it wasn't just her, but she was very involved in it. And then she wrote the screenplay for Gone Girl. Mm -hmm. Those are both brilliant. And then the only one that she didn't adapt herself, not so good. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's it's very, it's, it's, it's odd. And the choices that they make with like actually both with Charlize Theron and Christina Hendricks of like making them look frumpy is mostly related to like their hair 
<laughs> it's just like, what are you doing? Um, you need you need to watch it just so you can see this ridiculous baseball cap that she literally always wears. Okay. Nicholas Holt's in that too, right? He plays the brother. I like him too. Um, I need, I need yes. to watch this. Yeah. It, it's on Amazon um, okay. to rent for like $3. I remember right. like hearing about it when like, it came out in like 2016 or something. But like I remember hearing about it and then like it never really came to theaters and I know yeah and, same and then I forgot all about it um and I rewatched I watched it recently I was just like oh I see I see now why, this <laughs> why it was yes straight to Amazon video <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> well I watched another actually fun movie a couple weeks ago uh kind of on this topic called The Final Girls which um you said you haven't seen it right right so this is, it's kind of like a comedy horror movie, which doesn't always work, but I thought it worked pretty well in this case where, okay, so the main character's mother was this actress who was in all these horror movies, including this really famous one where they're at like a, like a summer camp and then this slasher shows up and kills everyone at the summer camp. So the mother has died and the daughter is invited to this like kind of anniversary showing of the movie and goes there with some friends of hers and there's a fire at the theater and then they get like sucked into the movie like don't ask questions <laughs> just, they're they're sucked into the movie just don't worry it. about it so she and her friends are then like inside this horror movie and interacting with it's not like really her mother it's like the character that her mother played and they're trying to survive this based on like the rules of horror movies which kind of reminded me of scream actually because there's that mm. whole like the rules of horror movie horror movies aspect in that as well um right. but it's it's super fun it was kind of like kind of heartwarming in a way because you get the like mother-daughter relationship and she's like coming to terms with the loss of her her mother but there's also all of this discussion of like what it means to be a final girl in this and they do lean a little hard on the like you can't be a final girl if you have sex <laughs> there's this whole thing where the mother's character like in the actual movie has sex with this guy early on and then she gets killed. And so like the daughter is then trying to keep her mother's character from like being alone with this guy to like, make sure she doesn't have sex with him. So <laughs> she won't die. And it's pretty fun though. I, I enjoyed it, but it did. I, I don't know. Like it leaned a little hard on that. I feel like we're maybe beyond that with final girls where it's not just about being a virgin, right? <laughs> a little more to it than that, hopefully. <laughs> but I would recommend that. Like if you want to watch a horror movie, that's not super scary. That's just kind of fun and like deals with this archetype in an interesting way. I think it's really interesting how like so like you know in in a classic horror movie like this archetype exists but it's not like she's not identified as oh here's the final girl mm -hmm. like this is this is something that has come from like film criticism but now it's sort of like morphing into its own thing like here's this movie that's like called the final girl <laughs> we have yeah. you know books that are calling out this archetype in their title because it's like turning into more of a thing rather than just like this is the archetype. It's like, this is actually sort of a character of its own. Yeah. So the two most famous books um, that use this archetype in the title are probably Final Girls by Riley Sager. Um, speaking of gender ambiguous yes. <laughs> <laughs> names as we were earlier. Um, and then what is it? The Final Girls Support, Support Group, Group. Yeah. by Grady Hendrix. That one just came out. I haven't read it yet, but I have read Riley's book a long, a long time ago. And um, they had a little argument between the two of them recently, though, which I thought we should talk about because <laughs> yes. it's kind of amusing. Now, I'll just say, I, I don't know Grady. I do know Riley. He's awesome. Like, no shade. But... <laughs> 
um, when Grady's book came out, which was just like a couple months ago, I want to say, Riley tweeted something a little a little disparaging, implying that uh, Grady Hendrix had kind of ripped off this this concept of the final girl. And it's not just like that it's in the title. I think in correct me if I'm wrong, but in Riley's book, there's this aspect of like there are these women who've all kind of survived this um, massacre and they're like meeting years later to like support each other. So I guess like maybe there are some other similarities <laughs> between this whole final girl support group idea in Grady Hendrix's book. So there, are, it's not just the title. There are like other kind of similarities. But yeah, he like tweeted this this kind of kind of bitchy thing <laughs> and yeah. then retracted it and apologized so like <laughs> but I was just when this happened I don't know what you were thinking but I mean first of all I love Twitter drama so I was oh, like yeah. trying to make sure because Riley I think deleted the original tweet and then p- people were sharing screenshots and like you know you can find the Twitter drama if you look hard enough but I was just kind of like isn't it funny that these two men think they own the concept of right. the final girl? Like, the, like okay. Yeah, it's, it's absurd to act like either of them could possibly own this concept, given that it's like, it is something yeah. that has come organically from like thousands of movies. Yeah, thousands of movies, lots of film criticism. Lots yeah. Of, I mean, like, this is a this is a thing. Like, it's almost it's like a cliche at this point, really. It's so yeah. well known that all there are all of these books like there's Hi Snapple. <laughs> <laughs> She's here. <laughs> I will not be editing any of this out. Snapple is always welcome. <laughs> She's happy to hear it. <laughs> but yeah, there's all of these things that are commenting on it, like this movie, The Final Girls, that's like playing with the trope and like um, the movie Cabin in the Woods kind of plays with it in an interesting way where they're like the archetypes, all the characters are forced to like act out these archetypes and one is the virgin, even though like the, the girl who is acting out that archetype isn't even a virgin. Um, right. Like, all of this, all this stuff, like it's such a well-known thing now. There's like meta text on top of <laughs> and for, for them to think that like they have some sort of ownership over this or that it's like copying someone to have final girl in your title or have like a slightly, I mean, first of all, there's like no original ideas anymore. Like, let's no, just like we all just need to that. accept that. Like, yeah, there's no new ideas. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Plus I actually, I read um, in my deep dive into this Twitter drama, <laughs> I read an interview with Grady Hendrix where he was saying that he actually wrote this book years ago or like at least a draft of it and had like showed it to his agent and it was like that week that the deal announcement for Riley Sager's book oh, came out wow. and they were like maybe you should like put this away for a while because this book's gonna be big and you don't want to so he like he did he wrote a bunch of other very successful books and then went back to this one and so it wasn't like he even got the idea after Final Girls came out interesting um, but yeah, I don't know. I love Twitter drama, especially when it's like, like no one got hurt by this. Like it was pretty mild. So I just right. was able to enjoy it with my whole heart. <laughs> yes. It's, it was very pure as far as Twitter dramas go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think it's one thing about the Riley Sager book that is, I think worth talking about is like the, so it kind of opens with, um, there's these three so-called final girls who are all survivors of separate massacres it's not like right okay it's the same massacre so they're all survivors of separate events and they like for reasons that aren't totally clear to me have all been sort of like lumped together by the media as like oh these are the final girls and they were supposed to meet on oprah but then it fell through and they didn't meet so 
the book sort of starts with one of them has apparently committed suicide and it opens the door for madness to ensue. But like a lot of the sort of conflict, like the internal conflict within the protagonist who, whose name is, yes, you got it, Quincy. Uh, (laughs) Not even Quinn, Quincy. We're going all the way. Yes. She hates the label final girl. She doesn't like the idea of like being seen as a so-called victim. And there's a lot of like, like, I'm fine. I'm not a victim. I'm not a final girl. I'm just me. And I think that it's like, it's really kind of disturbing this idea of like, if a bad thing has happened to you, saying that you are a victim is like equivalent to weakness Mm. when it shouldn't be because like, I don't, I I guess it's just the, the very idea that like victim equals weak, whereas survivor equals strong. That's like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> but for some reason, there's like, there's nobility in resisting the label of victim. Yeah, that is interesting. That's like gross. Because we talk about that with um, sexual assault survivors as well. I mean, we mm-hmm. use the term survivor instead of victim. And I think, yeah, it's like up to everyone how they want to identify and how they want to, like what label they want to take for themselves, if any label at all. But mm-hmm. that is something that I think is throughout a lot of crime fiction is this idea of like, oh, I don't want to be a victim. I'm not that person. I'm right. not. And sometimes it can be sort of showing that the character is like in denial a little bit or like has some stuff right. to deal with or, or whatever. But like, yeah, the idea of implying that there's something wrong with someone because they were the victim of a crime or it had something done to them, whether it was a massacre right. or a rape or whatever, like, mm-hmm. you know, you can't help that. That's just, yeah. I don't know. There's so much to unpack yeah. with that too. I feel like we could do a whole episode on that. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, I'm not like, I'm not like those other women who are victims. Mm-hmm. I'm different from that. That's sort of like built into that. And I just think that's gross, especially in a book that's written by a man. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, there's a lot of it in, in that book in particular. That is a particularly awful aspect of the, like, not like other girls thing. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not a victim like the other girls who got raped. Like, oh, God, shut up. Like, it's gross. I mean, there is something I was thinking about with regards to final girls and, like, horror movies in general. Um, Like, we're getting enjoyment, basically, out of, like, watching people be traumatized. Like, that's... (laughs) Yeah, well right <laughs> it's um you know I think it's partially it's like the vicarious sort of I mean, there's like the vicarious aspect of it there's the like makes you feel safe because you're not in the situation there's also a lot of like judgment especially of the people who die earlier in the movie you're like ugh, I would not go into the creepy basement with right killer. like I would be smarter than that I yeah. wouldn't be like this dumb bitch like <laughs> right exactly <laughs> I also think that it's like um I think I feel like I've mentioned this a bunch of times on this podcast, but uh, there's this line from Jennifer Egan's book Manhattan Beach about like the character is musing about reading crime fiction, and she says something like that it's satisfying to take to like winnow the diffuse danger of the real world down to one specific bad person. Yeah, which is very like that's very true because the world is scary, but in these types of movies, like it's not you know you're these types of movies and books you're not shouldering the burden of the entire world is about this specific this specific bad guy that you need to defeat it's very pure in that way specific weirdo in a hockey mask facing you with a knife. yes exactly instead of every man you know maybe or right not. <laughs> exactly 
which is like honestly much scarier than any horror movie could ever be. Um, yeah. You know, so that's that's like why it's like it's like cathartic to sort of experience a, a much clearer cut version of of life mm-hmm. through these stories. Yes, I hear you. <laughs> Snapple. <laughs> she has a lot of thoughts on that, too. She does. That's a good point. <laughs> oh, boy. That sounds serious. Yeah. Hi, Snapple. We have contact. She's Aww. jumped onto the desk. Um, I was thinking, too, about, like, so many of these movies, if they're at all successful, they have, like, a gajillion sequels. Like, we were talking about Jamie Lee Curtis has been in how many Halloweens now, and right. now she's, like, a grandma right. in the latest one. And it's her, like, daughter and granddaughter, and, like, they're all fighting Michael Myers and Halloween. Nate's yeah. going to be so mad at me that I, like, hesitated <laughs> over that. Sorry, honey. Um, <laughs> they all are, like, the same, though. They're all, like, creepy guys in weird masks. Yeah. And, yep. You know. But yeah, so like if we're watching someone get traumatized, then like for these sequels, the same girl is getting traumatized over and again over and over, and again. pretty much. Yes, like, yes. <laughs> like Sydney and Scream and Laurie and the Halloween movies, and I'm sure many other examples that other people yeah. can come up with, but we're just right. like watching them go through this over and over and over again. And then it's like this, okay, you can't get comfort in thinking like, she's the final girl, she triumphed. If the movie makes enough money, then like she didn't triumph, the guy will be back somehow. Yes, he'll be back to terrorize her again and make her defeat him again, but not really. But yeah, that feels much more like real life. The like, you think you defeated the evil of the patriarchy, right. but it <laughs> yeah. keeps coming back. It keeps coming back again and again. Mm-hmm. Yes. It just keeps stabbing it and it just keeps rising up. <laughs> you shoot it twice in the head, still, ugh. <laughs> it's interesting how, like, in each individual sort of story like this, there's always that moment where, like, the final girl or whoever thinks, thinks they've killed the bad guy but mm-hmm. no he's not really dead yet he right he comes back for one last confrontation in the movie and then she kills him and then the movie's over but then two years and you know several million dollars later there's <laughs> he's back again and the story is different but not really uh-huh um that is very that is that is more true to life than the individual story of of confronting evil and it actually being confronted like if you look Mm -hmm. at them as kind of all of a you know as as a series rather than as individual films like nothing ever dies and goes away (laughs) no but even like it'll be fine for like 20 years and then they're like they did that for halloween right like there was a 20 year halloween h2o or whatever (laughs) is that really what it was called am i hallucinating that you know that would be amazing i'm googling it right now okay because i want to know oh god yes you're right Oh no, I wanted to be wrong. Halloween H2O, 20 years later. God. Also known simply as Halloween H2O. Wow. Okay. Mm. I think I've seen that, but I blocked it out. Um, so, <laughs> like, as women, as feminists, do we find this trope empowering or, like, is it bullshit? I don't know. I've been thinking about this. I feel like no. Okay. Because I think there's just too much in it that men have put there for it to be like truly empowering i think i i would certainly rather watch a movie that concludes with a final girl rather than a final guy (laughs) there's nothing interesting about that right but i think there's too much sort of there's there's too much baggage surrounding this particular archetype and i think it's probably more interesting to like explore concluding a story with 
something else mm-hmm. rather than going down this path again. Why aren't there more final guys? That's interesting. Like, it's just, I mean, it's mostly men who make these movies. There are some great female horror directors out there, but like for the most part, it's men writing and directing all movies. So, right. <laughs> horror movies as well. And it's like they don't want to watch a man be terrorized by a masked killer. There are like male victims in these movies, but mm-hmm. they're usually like earlier on, or maybe they're like the boyfriend of the final girl. Like sometimes she has to kind of lose her lose her love in order to survive and all of that bullshit right um, like even if she's happy by the like she's not happy by the end like she survived but she may have lost like all her slutty friends <laughs> and her parents yes. and like who knows who else and you know it's it's sad like it's um just watching this this poor girl suffer for a long time and then over and over again well yeah i think that like that's probably why there are not more final guys like it's disturbing that the makers of these movies have fetishized this idea of this woman who takes her moment of power but then has to give it back in the sequel and she's lost everything and she's miserable and i guess men just want women to be miserable (laughs) they're sure doing a good job of it they are (laughs) yeah that's true because like most male heroes in like an action movie or something they may like suffer some loss i guess like especially if it goes on i'm thinking of like I was going to say Jack Reacher, but actually I don't know fuck all about Jack Reacher, so I'm going to leave oh, that alone. Mm-hmm. How about another Tom Cruise character, Ethan Hunt in the there Mission Impossible movies? Or like, like Jason Bourne. Yeah, Jason Bourne. James Bond, like, occasionally loses a woman he cared about just, like, a tiny bit. Or, like, does he have friends? No. I guess he has, like, his co-workers he has, at Yeah, MSX. and he has, what's her face? Judy Dench. Yeah, Judy Dench. Then she died, and he was, like, sad about that for, like, one minute, and then he had yeah. to go back to kicking ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess like that's the type of that's the type of story for final guys where it's like he loses something and seeks revenge on everyone who has taken something from him. The final girl. But he's kind of in control most of the time. Like he's not yes. like running around screaming scared while he's being like chased. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, yeah, he's he's in control even when he is at risk. He's not like scared and hiding, you know, in a pantry or something like there's something much more active about characters like that rather than like the final girl who might be hiding trying to be quiet somewhere kind of fascinating we have like action heroes and final girls and they're kind of two sides of the same coin in a a lot of ways Mm -hmm. because she gets to be an action hero just for like five minutes right at the end not throughout the whole thing like she is running around scared and screaming and sometimes in her underwear, but not usually because then she would have to die (laughs) (laughs) for the first part of the movie. And then for like the last couple minutes, she is, is strong and confronts the the killer and defeats him. And then he comes back and then she defeats him again. And then it's (laughs) over, but she doesn't get to be, I mean, that is kind of interesting about some of the ones that go on for a really long time. Like the Halloween movies, I would say Jamie Lee Curtis now in these later ones, she is like, much more ass kicking like she's got like a shotgun and she's like yeah. going after michael myers and is like being a badass now that she's the crone instead of yes the girl yes exactly but like movies like the halloween franchise like helped to invent this whole idea in the first place so they yes it makes sense that they would probably explore it a little more i mean you kind of have to if you're gonna make that many damn yeah. movies all right well everyone 
have a happy spooky season. Um, we will be back in two weeks. I'm going to be interviewing Rachel Harrison, the author of the book Cackle that we talked about in our fall reading preview, which is like the perfect spooky season read. And um, I'm going to just go like brainstorm ideas for a screenplay called The Final Crown. I don't know about you, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I take my money. That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe, and you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com, and we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening.